So we're going to talk a little bit today about something I don't quite feel comfortable walking us forward in, and that's, I don't know why, but it's been a hard week. Uh, there's been interesting things that have happened, phone calls, interactions with the public that I didn't ever think would be part of my job, uh, that makes me sit back and start to question what I see, where we're going, what God is trying to talk in my heart, and I love this song we ended on. Uh, how can it be? Uh, we're walking through First Peter, and we're talking about being exiles that are chosen, that we're scattered, and we're prepared. How can that be? How can it be that God has chosen us, that God has put us in this position? Uh, and like Dave talked through last week, we're not going to argue that. Uh, we're just going to let God's work be God's work uh, because it just is. He did this work in our hearts. He did the work to open our eyes. Uh, it's his mercy. It's his grace. And so uh, we're just going to rest in the fact that he has chosen you. Uh, and maybe you're not ready to see that yet. And so God is seeking after you and he's not going to let you go. And he doesn't want to lose anyone to that darkness that's out there. Um, we don't like to talk about darkness a lot in the U.S. Uh, it's not one of my favorite conversations, except when we try to scare the kids, or we play games in the dark, and even then they're all holding hands and there's cell phones out because no one has a flashlight anymore. <laughs> and we see something different that way, don't we? Um, and so today, I, I, I just want us to kind of take a step back, and we're not going to argue about being chosen. Um, and I, I want us to look at and understand that God has chosen us for a reason, and he prepares us to go into exile. He prepares us to be exiled, and he lets us see something. Um, as you guys know, I'm, I'm the youth pastor I like imagery, I like pictures, I like to tell stories. I was struggling with one and my wife helped me find one today about having a set of glasses that helps us see the truth. And I think it goes perfect with what Amber and Eric have talked about of the darkness that's out there. And whether those are glasses or that's a flashlight we have, we're prepared because we can see something that others don't. And so uh, I'm going to have a little fun with you. So I've got a picture, and uh, it's a little viral, and I want you to answer the question out loud. Do you see white and gold or black and blue? Who sees white and gold? Who sees black and gold, or uh, black and blue? So our eyes sometimes can uh, lead us astray. I don't even know what the true answer of this is, so I'm not going to worry about it. It's a viral thing that hits social media. Uh, but it's kind of interesting to see that we see different things that are presented to us. Here's another image. This one is Adelson's Checker Shadow Illusion. Some of you may have known this from education and kind of we used to use this in business meetings sometimes to get us to think outside the box. The question is, and I hope you can see, the box A or the box B? 
which is darker, has the darker color? I wonder if we go ahead. They're actually the same color. We expect, because it's sitting in the shadow, that it should have a different view. And so we apply the truth that we have learned, that we expect, that we see play out every day over our own sight, and it plays tricks on us. And so these are just fun examples. But our glasses, our flashlight that we need in life, we need those because these things happen to us. We don't see the truth that is always out there. And there's a whole world outside these doors, church. And there's a whole bunch of people, even inside the doors of the church, that don't quite see the truth God has put out there. And they still need that flashlight. They need those glasses to be able to see what's going on. And so as Pastor Dave introduced for us this last week, we're walking through this new series. We're talking about, Peter's talking through the church who are a chosen people, living scattered in an exiled land that's not their own. And they live as exiles in a world that is a view totally different than their own. And yet God has prepared them for this. He's called them to live this life in in this alien world in faith, with submission, and with trust because they can see the real picture. They can see the truth. They can see because God has done something in their life. He has chosen them to see And he's given them those glasses. And so we too, as followers of Christ, are chosen. Exiled in a just called Hillsborough, Cornelius, Forest Grove, Scapoose, Portland, Beaverton. We, We live in our own exile. Yet God has prepared us for this. And he's called us to live this life just as he called the early church to with faith and submission and with trust, because just like them, they can see the truth. And just like them, we have been chosen to see what God has done. And so because we've been chosen for salvation, we are chosen to see, and that's what gives us a light. That's what allows us to be prepared for what exists outside these doors. What allows us to be prepared to live in exile and know it is not the world that we're supposed to be in. So please turn with me to 1 Peter, and we're going to kind of dig into the message God has for us today. I pray if you have a flashlight that's already been lit in your heart, if this is, uh, if God has illuminated this world for you, this is an encouragement. I pray if, you, if you're looking at us and this doesn't make any sense, I pray God is flicking that light bulb on and off for you and you start to see something. And I trust God will move the world for you uh, to see this light. Let's pray really quick. Lord, we, uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this book, this this light that lights up my life, that speaks just truth into my heart. Lord, I pray that as we, as we walk through this together, you've got some insights for us. You're leading our hearts. You are preparing us for, to see what you've got for us. 
Uh, Lord, uh, allow my tongue and my heart to speak your message uh, and yours alone. In your name we pray. Amen. So 1 Peter, starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for our salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Through, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not, not see him, or you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched inquired, and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when the, he predicted the suffering of Christ in the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that they have now announced to you through those who have preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So some of this is a little bit of a repeat from Pastor Dave, but he highlighted, I think, the verse that, that starts us off on our journey of what we get to see. It says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, now see him. You believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible, filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith and salvation for your souls. Pastor Dave was right. Peter is ecstatic to be talking to a people who haven't had the opportunities they have, haven't seen the man, haven't had hands-on experience in what, was, what happened, and they are over, he is overjoyed with this. And, and it kind of reminds me of a conversion story that's out there. In John chapter 9, there's a story of the blind man and Jesus. Uh, And there's a change that happens in this man's heart before he changes to see anything else. And so this man, if you don't know the story, is born blind. He sits out at the gates. He is asking for help. He is known to be this way. And Jesus walking by heals him. He is anointed at his desire and nothing more. And he's healed to the point that he goes home and he's walked, and no one recognizes this is the same man. And they have difficulty believing the change that had happened in him. And the story goes on, and the man and his family get examined by the Pharisees, and they're upset because they know who God is, and they can't believe that the sinner Jesus could do these things. And they want to, and they're, they're challenging him to glorify God and ignore who Jesus is. And the man responds, one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And then he was cast out. They didn't want to see what this man saw. 
It's the same thing, that same light that we're able to see chosen just like this man was chosen. And then Jesus heard that he was ca- they cast him out, and he, he went and found him. And then he asked this, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? To go from sight, not, from blindness and not seeing, to have a faith without even knowing what gave you that faith, he says, May I believe in him? You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you, he said. Lord, I believe. And he sat down and he worshiped him. So just like this blind man, we have been chosen to see. And we're chosen to see so that we can see both sides of the world, just like that man. To see who God was and the glory he had and what he was talking about to come into the future and now Jesus Christ as well. And in our culture today, we know those are both true, yet we live in a world that wants to say they're not. And so, uh, how do we walk through that? What is this light showing us that we should be focusing on? Peter was right, because it's scripture, but he was right, and he said, Blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter's introduction reveals to us that to see, our flashlight has to be focused on God first before anything else. And that light, when shown on him, shows that our salvation is only from God, based only on, the fullness, uh, on what God has done and on the fullness of God. As Peter starts, he talks that this is the triune God, it's God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That salvation is available through just, well, not through just one part of him, but all of him. That we're chosen with the foreknowledge of God the Father, sanctified through the Spirit for an obedience to the Son in Jesus Christ. And we're chosen for the salvation because it's centered on God, and it's only accessible through him. We need to recognize that our, as our flashlight shines on that focus, on God, it is nothing that allows us to get there ourselves. It's only through the work on the cross that we're allowed to get there. And we've been able to see this with the truth. As God has opened our eyes, has opened our hearts, we're able to start to focus not on what we think is the most important thing on the world, but what a God does, it says, and that's him, that's his son, and that's his spirit that guides us there. Now, we could just re- rejoice in this alone, right? If in a world that always seems to have strings attached and we have to do more work, we could be happy that we had this salvation, that we were able to see a little bit. But God's done so much more than just that. And so we're going to look at the rest of 1 Peter and see that with this flashlight, with our vision now open, God's prepared us because we can see we're reborn into a new life. That we've been reinvested from this world to the next. That we can identify that we've been rescued. We can rejoice in it. 
rejoice in the big things and the small things. And even when we've been refined, when we go through those struggles and those trials in our life. And that redefines our faith. We recognize that there are even some people who are revering us for where we sit with this. And so we're going to look at what has been done, but what he's talking about here. But we have to recognize that it's not through anything we've done. It's only through his work. So we are chosen for salvation, and we're chosen to see that we are reborn. Uh, We need to recognize that we can see the movement in our lives from being dead to having a new life. Romans 6.11 talks about how we we have to consider ourselves dead to sin and then alive to God. Sin brings us death. And then in 2 Corinthians, we're told that we're a new creation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. We have a new life, and we can see that. In a world that focuses on death and a limited world, we see beyond that grave. And it's because of this new creation, this life we can focus on, Uh, we can see past some things here. We can see past a future that's bound by death. We can see past the fact that we have frail bodies that don't seem to keep up with our heart and our mind of what we think we should do. And then we can see that our only hope rests in the living God and not something that dies here and is destroyed here on earth. And in seeing this, we we have our eyes opened to see where our future is truly invested. And so God opens our eyes to let us know we have been reinvested into a heavenly experience. That we have an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven. You know, I can't imagine walking through some of the storms that happen in our life. Things we can't control. We just witnessed hurricanes that destroyed entire inheritances. People building up homes, and whether that's a business, what you were going to pass to your child, and it just disappearing in front of your eyes. Now, we live in a world that's a little more insured, don't we? Um... But yet, if we focus our gaze just on those things, those things disappear the same way. In Matthew 16, we're warned not to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but to lay up yourselves treasures in heaven where there is no moth and no rust and no thieves. And as we think about this, we have to recognize God is okay with us investing in our future. He's not upset that we invest. He wants us to to continue to lay up treasures, but in heaven and not here. And so we're reborn and we have this sight to see where our investment lies. And as our inheritance has changed, we see that we have one that focused on today and in this world will be destroyed, will waste away. But as we shine our light on God and as we focus on him, we will see that we have an inheritance that lasts forever. 
And we know that this inheritance is much, much more than a treasure. But it includes an inherited family. That it includes an inherited future. And then it also includes inherited health that comes there. And as we're reminded of this, that we can see our rebirth, we can see our investment in the future, we know that our future isn't just sitting there and that eventually we'll get there, but that we are saved and put there today. We are rescued from a dangerous position with us where we sit today and moved to one that is secure in him. Uh, It says this in 1 Peter, who by God's power, so this is the believers, are being guarded through faith for a salvation already to be revealed in the last time. To recognize God has a power, that it's not limited, but it's immense. That it has no limits on age or time, that, that as we sit in this world, we need to see where we sit. I know often we can get stuck in focusing on the temporal space. We have nurses, we have doctors who do amazing things. Our first responders who can rescue us out of immediate danger, who can heal us with some amazing things that God's given them the power to do, yet in the end, they put you back into the same dangerous place. You can still be hurt. It can still happen again. There's still that life And we know death and taxes is the only thing that comes after birth. The reality is they cannot move you past that death. But God can. And he has. And your light helps you see that every day. And with this we can rejoice. Um, We rejoice with a lot of things in this world. Uh, Open up Facebook go look at posters downtown. We are celebrating just about everything. And those are great things. And we're supposed to rejoice in those as well, as long as we focus in the right place. But when struggles hit, Facebook starts to get quiet, right? Or it turns into uh, not a very pretty place, right? When... uh, when our neighbors start to encounter difficulty, their doors get shut off and we don't get invited in because they, they don't know how to live life rejoicing when it's hard. And so we can rejoice in all things. That kind of walks us into that next verse that says, so that the tested genuous of your faith more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by, by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, I don't like this process to be refined, to, uh, to recognize that perhaps I have elevated my body, my heart, my soul, my intellect, above the place that honors God. Um, And then God kind of brings us back to us, right? This idea of being refined in the fire. Uh, God really likes it. He likes to use this scripture. 
Um, in Malachi 3, it says this, he will sit as the refined uh, and pure of silver, and in her he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. As I'm focused away from God, those impurities, that corruptness of my, of my nature start to grow. Although I know where my future is, although I know I am secure in Christ, I still live in this world that likes to get my focus. Uh, my pride starts to grow. And we don't always catch those things until God tests us in that fire. And his goal in that isn't to destroy us. His goal in that is to purify us so that we, as we focus on God, can come to him pure. Because that's what he wants. He doesn't want us in all of our grandeur and our umph and, and uh, pomp. He wants us in our pure form. However little or great that is. And so this refining process, as we shine our light on God, as we know the truth, we rejoice when it doesn't make sense. We rejoice and hopefully we rejoice loud enough in all of those ways where other people rejoice. So for the good things, we can rejoice in the hard things. And that lets us come to this idea of being redefined. Um, as our eyes are open, we get to see we're reborn. We get to see that we're invested in a future that's greater than what we can ever imagine. That we've been rescued from the danger into a permanent place that can't be taken away. And we rejoice. Whether it's in the great good things in life or the hard things in life. And that redefines our point of view. Um, as we think about our world, uh, it's a hands-on experience. Uh, this is kind of where we started, right? Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you don't now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with the joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith and salvation of your souls. That doesn't make sense if you don't have a flashlight shining towards God. That doesn't make sense if we allow the world's view to, to define us. Because if you can't put your hands on it, if you can't measure it, if you can't prove it beyond a reasonable doubt, it doesn't exist. And yet they didn't even, they were closer to that time of Jesus. And they believed. And so are you. You believe. But we know it's true. And so how do we know it's true? Because we can see these things. And we know in our hearts, God has done some incredibly big things for us. I think the one thing I can say is that though I was blind, now I see. That same heart of that blind man is the same heart we have. 
and it prepares us to be able to move in all these ways. And we don't need to have hands-on experiences to measure all of these. We know in our heart, in our mind, in our souls, this is the truth. And this is the work God has done in us. And as we kind of come back to the, the end of First Peter, this section here, we get a, an interesting verse. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the suffering of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. We're on this journey, um, a journey that has opened our eyes to different things. Uh, we have a greater understanding of our salvation based on what our prophets have said to us, based on a map that has been translated for us to read. Um, and God loves us. And we have a greater understanding of our salvation based on that work he's doing in, in us. And I think there's something unique in this world to know that you are revered, that you are looked at, that you're seen as a people going to do something great. That's what the angels are looking back on. They're waiting to see what happens next. That all of this has been part of God's plan. That it's been there from the beginning. That it's continued through his son on the cross. Into that chosen group. Into this chosen group here. And he's waiting to, and they're looking in with just heartfelt, earnest belief to understand what happens next to this group that has been given an incredible gift to see what others don't see. So as we walk through 1 Peter, we know we are being prepared for what to do. We're going to continue to walk through 1 Peter and we're going to see just how God has called us to live out our lives in faith and in obedience and submission, trusting in him. And as we get there, I want us to recognize we've created a little bit of an image. Go to the next one, a target. One which is fully focused on God. And as we fully focus on God, we, we can see what's inside that target. New life, an everlasting future, a protected one, one where we can see what's going around that is pure, but it's all focused on him and not us. 
And so when we look on the outside of that target, we see death, we see destruction, we see blindness. And one more. There we go. We see corruption. All things in this world that we know are worldly, we know that can grab our attention, that can draw us off God when we start to focus on those. The easiest way to say what that difference is, is if we're not focused on God, we'd miss the mark. That's sin. And if we're focusing on him and being moved back into him, that's a good thing. But we can get blown off course. It's pretty easy. So let's ask ourselves some questions. What's the focus of your aim? What are you targeting? In the end, we really have one truth that matters. And it's not the truth we get to decide. It's the truth that God's opened our hearts to see. It's the one that's been given to us to follow. And in the end, do we trust it or do we trust ourselves? Do we see the picture the way God has defined it or do we want to define it for ourselves? Do you put him in the center in all of those areas of our life? Um, God has provided that path of salvation for us, for all who proclaim to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. And let's recognize that the work, he has done the work, not us. He is the one that draws us to focus on him. And so let us be drawn to him. As we look at this, uh, let's recognize sometimes, sometimes I take the wrong flashlight with me. Sometimes I take the small one, and it gets really dark out there, and I can only focus on one thing. But God's light is bigger than that. Um, but we still have blind spots. Drift happens. We start to get focused on some of these other areas as, as health fades and death in this world becomes a little more prominent in your thinking. Are you focused on what God has done or are we focused on our struggle here? As we lose that job, as paychecks get difficult, as even the other way, as we look at retirement and we see what we have, do we recognize what treasures we've stored up and how we've prioritized them? You know, we, sometimes I like to think we, um, or I'll check my flashlight at the door. That on Sunday I know my truth, on Sunday I know where I'm supposed to look, but when I go out, out of these doors, I don't need to have that same view. And I can put my worldview back on, and I can just go, living, go on living that life. But God's not asking us to do that. Part of understanding blind spots is also understanding how you get out of blind spots. So uh, here's a pitch for next Sunday. Community. Uh, we completely believe 
that being in a relational community with other believers gives you the opportunity to identify and destroy blind spots in your life through purposeful accountability, for going through the God's word, for putting it into application and investing in those people, uh, you can see things differently. They will see things for you. And then we trust God will help us do things well together uh, to help deal with those things. So next week, we're going to start putting out some signups for small group communities, to try to restart some new ones. And so we encourage you to think about that, of uh, getting into community with these believers, not just here on Sunday, not just here in this room, but for more opportunities to do that. I had one more question in here, and I really don't like it. Uh, who is longing to see what happens in your life? Um, like we talked about, the prophets were seeking and searching and trying to identify this. We lived the blessed age where I have more versions of the Bible on my cell phone than I do on my shelf. Um, I have almost, I have access to almost every study that is out there. And they all point us to that same place of understanding the truth. The angels are still looking in. That's not ended. And they're longing to see what happens with us and what happens next. Um, and we also have a big world out there that does not see the world we see. They don't have a light to see through that darkness. Yet, th- through our relationship with them, they know who we are. They know our light. They know what we at least would say we stand for. And they lie in wait, looking to see how you act that out. And so, um, who are those people in your life? Um, This isn't a bad thing. This is a good thing. Because they're interested to see what this light you have is, and why is it so needed, and why do you keep going back to it? And they want to see if it's real. And the way they see that it's real is not just coming here on Sunday. It is not just hearing you talk about it, but it is seeing you live that out in your life. And so I challenge you to to name those people. Write them down. Um, Pray for them. Pray for that opportunity that that light can be not just shined and shown, but lived out with them. And then eventually that you're maybe even part of passing that torch to them so that they can continue down that same path. So I'd like to invite the worship team up and we'll pray really quick to close us. Lord, we... We sit here in an interesting community, the church. A community that either knows who you are as a chosen people, that you've prepared us, that you're sending us out. Or that we're a people here that you've drawn to you that are trying to understand what that is and that are trying to, to see so desperately the light that you're talking about.
And so, Lord, we, we pray that we can live like a prepared people. That we can live knowing we're chosen by you and that we get to see something that others don't. We pray that you open our eyes to that fact. That when we look outside our doors, when we look outside our community, when we look outside our homes, we fall in love with the people that are doing the best they can to wander through the darkness. That they're doing the best they can knowing what they've been given glimpses of to see. And may we love them where they're at, Lord. And as we see them and as we're drawn to them, Lord, bring us to them. Let us walk alongside them. Help us shine our light on their path so they can see the truth. And Lord, we trust you're calling them. You're doing the work. We're not doing any of this. But give us an encouraged heart to be active in sharing that life, light with other people. In your name, amen.